Man, I like that song. Man, that's a good one. Have a seat, everybody. Welcome, those of you who are watching online from home or in your car, at the beach, wherever it is that you might be. Uh, as we like to say, thanks so much for making us part of your day. Uh, we are very glad that you were here. Already enjoyed being able to be with uh, some of other members of our church family who were here earlier at uh, 9 o'clock. Uh, we took a little two-week hiatus and uh, have now uh, rebooted things. We have new times. We appreciate you being flexible uh, with that. Uh, and so we thank you for being here today. As has already been mentioned, it is a big travel weekend and a week. It's uh, fall break for the majority of our students and their families. And so we know of a, a number of people who are traveling. If you are going to be heading out after our service today, please be careful and uh, be sure to be safe as you are gone. Uh, if you have to stay in town this week because you have to work, I am sorry. That's just adulthood, right? Uh, but we are glad that you were here, and we hope again that you are uplifted by our time uh, together. Now, some of the people who are traveling this week could be traveling because they have received an invitation uh, to a wedding, to a party, to some type of an event. Uh, maybe there's a class reunion that's going on, and they are, have left to go and be a part of that. And sometimes we go to these things and we participate, even though we might not have a real close relationship to the people that invited us, but we kind of feel guilty, right? You get that invitation in the mail and you're like, well, should I go? Should I not? What will they say if I don't attend? What should I say if I'm telling them I'm not coming? And maybe some of you before have decided not to go to an event and you have come up with a pretty flimsy excuse as why you could not attend. Now, if you have ever had to RSVP no, and you've given some type of, of strange or just, you know, lacking excuse, I want you to know that you are, you are not alone. And so here are some things that others have said. Some have said, I can't come because I've got another wedding on the same day. Anybody used that before? You're just too popular, right? You're just letting everybody know I'm just too popular. Everybody loves to invite me to their weddings, and it just so happens that I'm going to someone else's on the very same day. Or maybe you've said this, I would love to come, but I'm going on vacation that weekend. And then, of course, you go home and say, sweetheart, I know when our vacation's going to be, right? I mean, you, you know when to plan it now. You were wondering, what weekend should we have it on? Well, now you know. Some of you have lived this one right here. And you have responded and said, hey, I have two kids under the age of five. You do not want me coming to your event, right? <laughs> you don't want me to come. You don't want me to bring the kids. Uh, you would much rather that I would stay at home. And if you really don't want to go, I suppose you could say this. I think I'm going to be sick that day. I'm just pretty sure, I'm just pretty sure that here's what's coming. Uh, I'm just going to be sick. I, uh, I can feel it. It's coming on. And I'm just not going to be able to... Um, not be able to be with you. Hey, but here's one of my favorites that I found. Here's one of my favorites. It says, thanks for the invite, but I won't be attending your wedding. I've never told you this, but I've had a crush on you for years and don't really want to celebrate you getting married to another man. <laughs> well, at least the guy was honest, right? I mean, come on. Oh, wow. You know, there's always a reason. It seems there's always an excuse, but but I know at an event that you do not want to miss because this event is going to take place in heaven. And, and we've been talking for really the last month about the home for, for the soul. 
And we've been talking about heaven, and we've been trying to get just a glimpse, just a taste to, to whet our appetite of what is to come. And I want to talk to you today about something, something very special. I want to talk to you about an event you don't want to miss. In Revelation 19, John was given a vision and told, write this, Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding feast of the Lamb. Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding feast of the Lamb. Now, over and over again throughout Scripture, we are assured that there is coming a great marriage feast in heaven. And this marriage feast is as certain as the tomb is empty. And I tell you this because we've all received invitations, perhaps, and we know of individuals who have said, hey, save the date, we're getting married. And then all of a sudden you find out, well, maybe not so much. And the wedding was postponed, or maybe the wedding was canceled, but not this wedding. I want you to think for a minute, isn't it interesting that of all the images that Jesus could have chosen to describe heaven, one of the images that he uses most is that heaven is going to be like a great wedding banquet. Now, if you think about it, this is an image that spans time and culture. Because if Jesus had said, heaven is going to be like the Super Bowl, or heaven is going to be like this great Fourth of July parade, well, we might understand it. Okay, it might fit for our culture, but it's not something that spans time. And yet when Jesus talks about the kingdom of heaven, and he says it's going to be like this great wedding banquet, this great wedding feast, well, that's an image that even though weddings are different around the globe, we begin to understand and go, this is something you don't want to miss. This is something that we want to participate in, something that is exciting. It's an idea that immediately translates. And so in Matthew chapter 22, Jesus told a story about a king who prepared a great wedding feast for his son. I want you to listen to the description. When the banquet was ready, he sent his servants to notify those who had been invited, but they all refused to come. So he sent other servants to tell them, the feast has been prepared, the bulls and the fatted calf have been killed, and everything is ready, come, come to the banquet. But the guest he had invited ignored them. And they went on their way, one to his farm, another to his business. Others seized his messengers and insulted them and killed them. So the king was furious, and he sent out his army to destroy the murderers and to burn their town. And he said to his servants, The wedding feast is ready. The guests I invited aren't worthy of the honor. Now go to the street corners and invite everyone that you see. So the servants brought in everyone they could find, good and bad alike. And the banquet hall was filled with the guests. But when the king came in to meet his guests, he noticed a man who wasn't wearing the proper clothes for the wedding. Friend, he asked, how is it that you are here without wedding clothes? But the man had no reply. Then the king said to his aides, bind Bind his hand and feet and throw him into the outer darkness where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. Now here in Matthew 22, Jesus is attempting to describe to his Jewish, Jewish audience the, the kingdom of God, or as he calls it, terms it sometimes, the kingdom of heaven. And, and he's talking about how that the kingdom of God is going to have its fulfillment, even if the Jews do not accept Jesus as being the Messiah. God, he invited the Jews, and they snubbed his invitation. And yet, 
God continued to woo and he continued to invite and he continued to call and say, any and everyone, come to the feast. And yet surprisingly and sadly, many who are invited choose not to attend. Now the point of the story is you look at it and begin to dig down, you begin to realize that God is not going to be impeded from announcing or from the intention to honor his son. He has announced that his son is going to be honored. He has announced that there is a wedding, that there is this feast that is prepared. And that's why there's coming a day when every tongue will declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And so it raises a few questions. Who is going to be at the wedding feast? Who's going to attend? Or if you want to think about it in other words, who's going to be, who's going to be in heaven? Now, I think the first face that we're going to see is the groom. I believe the first person we're going to notice is the Lord Jesus Christ. And, you know, I participate in a lot of weddings through the years. And I've often, I've often coached the people who are a part of the, of the, of, of the group that, that's going to be usually here on stage somewhere or out in front of everybody. I've kind of coached them on, on how to present themselves. And the whole idea is that wherever the bride is, that's where your eyes are, right? I mean, you just follow the bride. And you adjust your posture to the bride. So as the bride is coming down, you're watching the bride. As the bride approaches, you turn. Always the eyes are going to be on the bride. We understand this. We've been to weddings. We know how this works, right? But it's going to be different at this wedding. Because at this wedding, no one is going to be able to take their eyes off the groom. And when we see the groom, there's going to be this collective and startling moment when we all release our breath in admiration and say, man, doesn't he look glorious? You know, one of the things that stands out to me when heaven is depicted in movies or television shows or in, in books, it's Jesus is conspicuously absent. Have you thought about that? Think about some of the different TV shows you've seen and they try to describe heaven or there's a movie and, and there's this picture of what, of what heaven is going to be like. And my question is, where's Jesus? Because in the different things that I've seen and in many of the books that I've read, Jesus is absent. And I think our culture does to heaven exactly what it does here on earth. We make it exclusively human-centric. Will we make it man or woman-centered? But not this wedding that Jesus is describing and talking about. At this wedding, we are not going to be able to take our eyes off the groom. We're not going to be able to take our eyes off of Jesus. He is going to be our preoccupation. He's going to be our obsession. And I think that's why Paul was torn. He was torn between life and death in a Philippian prison. And he said, I desire to depart and to be with Christ. Now notice he doesn't say, I desire to depart and go to heaven. That's often how we talk about it, right? But to Paul, his whole focus was being able to be with Jesus. So you understand, heaven is simply the physical extension of God's goodness. Or in other words, the presence of God is the essence of heaven. The presence of God is the essence of heaven because our soul longs to reclaim what was lost in Eden. We long to be with God. We want to be in God's presence. 
And our first glimpse in heaven will be of the one that our soul desires the most. So when you talk about heaven, let me encourage you to talk about Jesus. When you talk about heaven, I want to encourage you to talk about God. Because everything else that we may or may not see in heaven will pale in comparison to the main event. And Jesus is the main event. He is the one that the Father is preparing the feast for. He is the one that is going to be honored. He is the one to whom every knee shall bow and confess that he is Lord and Christ. He is the event. And for some reason, I think Jesus has become to some an afterthought of heaven. The idea is that Jesus is such a celebrity, kind of like a rock star or some, some movie star, and he's going to be in heaven, but he's going to be somewhere way off in the distance, away from, you know, the normal people. And maybe after a billion years, we might be able to get close enough just to get a little bit of a glimpse, to get a selfie shot with him, to maybe ask for his autograph, and that's what we're going to have. But I think that's why Jesus uses the image of the groom. You see, we are destined for intimate friendship with God. And somehow, like the disciples themselves, we are actually going to be able to spend quality time with Jesus. That's our destiny. And we're all going to say the same thing. Man, doesn't he look glorious. Man, this is what Jesus is like. It's going to be awesome that first day in heaven. But there are going to be other guests who will be at the party as well. Have you ever spent time thinking about the angels? One of the wonders of heaven will be learning about the host of heaven. And I can assure you that the angels are not the cute little chubby cherubs that are often on greeting cards or, you know, depicted in cartoons. You know, whenever you find that angels showed up in history... You never find anyone saying right afterwards, well, isn't he cute? You know, that, that's not what's said. You, you read through Scripture, and any time an angel shows up, I mean, it was fall on the ground. It was shaking. It was concerned because here was somebody that was a commanding and intimidating presence. But at the wedding feast, when we see the thousands upon thousands of angels, well, we're not going to be afraid. And I'll admit, just knowing about their capacity and delight in executing the soul desires of God, I'm just intrigued with the idea of being able to learn more about these brilliant ancient creatures who have lived with God. You read through Scripture, you find that angels have guarded us. They have gone to fierce battle for us. They have even served as God's answer to our prayers. So since they have walked beside us on earth, it would make meeting them in heaven even the more fascinating. In fact, you read through Scripture and you learn that there are differences within the angels. There appears to be a hierarchy that they enjoy and that they have together. And, and think about it. Do you actually believe that you have heard and experienced all the music and praise that God is capable of receiving? You see, I imagine that there are ways to worship God that we cannot even imagine, that we can't even fathom because we have yet to hear the angels. It's going to be a special day. Now, you might remember on one occasion, Jesus said that when we get to heaven, we will in some ways be like the angels. And I know there's been a lot of talk through 
the centuries. What did Jesus mean by that? And, and what, what, is, what is he trying to get at? I think with the context we can find there in Matthew chapter 22, we can discern that perhaps it's this idea that we're not going to age, we're not going to get sick, we're not going to die, we're not going to procreate, there's not going to be these same relational qualities that we think about here on earth. But there are some important ways that we are not going to be like the angels. Understand, when an individual dies and goes to heaven, no one becomes an angel. No bells ring and, and no wings are handed out, even though every time at Christmas the bell rings, I think, way to go, Clarence, way to go. But angels are angels. Humans are humans. And there are wonderful reasons for this distinction. First of all, think about it. The Bible never says that angels were created in the image of God. Only, only you and only me, humanity. And secondly, the Bible never even alludes to the idea that God made provision for the salvation of the angels. The angels that rebelled against God were cast out of heaven and placed, they were, they were placed in, in this area referred to as hell that was created as their destination. But God did not set in motion a rescue effort for them. But he did for humanity. And here's something else. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that angels are co-heirs with Christ. But that's our destiny. That's what we are destined for. A destiny to be raised to a position of honor that's even greater than the angels themselves. Oh, they'll be guests at the wedding feast. But they're not going to be the ones that we pay the most attention to. And they're also not going to be the guests of honor. Do you know who that's going to be? Do you know who's going to be the guest of honor at the wedding banquet? When well, Revelation 19, here's what it says. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory, for the wedding of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. You know, at this wedding, we're not going to be able to take our eyes off the groom, but it's also true that the groom is not going to be able to take his eyes off the bride. And who's the bride? But the bride is the redeemed throughout all the ages. The bride of Christ is, is you. It's, it's me. It's, it's, those who, it's those who make up the kingdom of, of God. And, and it's the ultimate Cinderella story. And maybe that's why we're attracted to that story so much, because there is something in it that, that is embossed on our very souls. A child who is neglected and scorned and abused is picked up by the prince and said, you are going to be my bride. I mean, maybe it's going to be the greatest surprise in heaven. The greatest surprise in heaven is who is going to make up the bride. The ones that nobody would have deemed worthy actually chosen by God. But there's something we need to know. No admittance will be granted without proper attire. You see, in Jesus' days, when a rich man was going to throw a wedding for his son, he would make a, a special robe for the wedding, or robes. And as the invitations went out, a, a robe would go with each invitation. That way the person who was invited would have wedding clothes, the proper wedding clothes to wear. Now Jesus' story about the king, about the kingdom of heaven, begins to make a little bit more sense, doesn't it? You see, at this wedding banquet, the only ones who are invited 
are the ones wearing the robes. Now, if you want to attend the heavenly wedding, you're going to have to be dressed right. And so what do you wear? Well, let me show you. Revelation chapter 7. John says, after this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that, that no one could count. No one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language. They were standing before the throne and before the Lamb, and they were wearing white robes. Then one of the elders asked me, these in the white robes, who are they, and, and, and where did they come from? And I answered, sir, you know. And, and he said, these, these are they who have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. You see, at this wedding feast, there's not going to be any wedding crashers. All right? There's not going to be anyone that's able to sneak in and enjoy all that the party has to offer. And I know this creates all kinds of tension within our culture. But understand, if you can get to this wedding without your clothes being washed in the blood of the Lamb, then the cross of Christ was the biggest blunder in the history of the world. Because there didn't need to be a sacrifice. There didn't need to be a death. But the truth is, only those who come trusting in the atoning work of Jesus Christ will be able to participate in the wedding. And the truth is, it doesn't matter what we have done or where our life might be, we are all invited. And God is still able to clothe you properly for the wedding. It's going to be a great day. It's going to be an awesome experience. It's going to be a feast like you can't even imagine. And you and I have all been invited. Now back in 1990, in the city of Boston, Massachusetts, a young couple was planning to get married, and so they went to the Hyatt Hotel to plan their wedding banquet. Now I know that today, destination weddings are kind of the thing. We're, we're, we've become used to them. But many of you can remember there used to be a time where weddings were either in a church building or maybe it was in someone's backyard or some of you might have even gone to the Justice of the Peace and, and gotten married there. And, but in 1990, to have a destination wedding, it was, kind of, it was kind of odd. It was kind of different. But this couple decided they were going to get married at the height and they were going to have all of this, 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 this huge blowout event. And so they go to plan, and by the time they select the setting and the menu, it had turned into quite an extravagant event, and they found out that it was going to cost them $13,000. And they had to pay half of it up front, and then the other half would, would have to be paid as the, the wedding approached. And, and so they, they, they got all their money together, and they took care of the different payments that had to be made, and everything was in the process of getting going, and everything was falling into place until the groom got cold feet. And the groom decided that he just wasn't ready to make this commitment. Now, of course, the fiancé is crushed. She ends up having to be the one to call up everyone, tell them that there's not going to be any wedding. I'm sorry. Never mind about the invitations. And she also has to go to the hotel where she meets with the events manager. And the events manager was very kind. She herself had been through a similar situation. She was very understanding, but she said, Ma'am, I'm sorry. Uh, I need to tell you this that our policy states this close to the wedding, you can only get 10% of your money back. $1,300. Or, you can absorb the loss and you can go ahead and have the party. Now here's where I need to tell you something about this jilted bride. 
Ten years earlier, she lived in a homeless shelter. But she had made some good choices, some individuals had helped. She got her life on track. She was able to secure a job. She was able to save money. And so after some time, she thought and thought it through, and then she decided to throw the party. And guess who she invited? She went to the homeless shelters there in Boston. She went to the rescue mission. And she said, you get the word out to the people who were living under the bridges that there is going to be a party in their honor at the Hyatt Hotel. They're the ones that are invited to my party. Now, she did make one change in the party menu. In honor of the ex-groom, she changed the main course to boneless chicken. Okay? But then they had a party like, like no one had ever seen. And you get this, people who literally lived off the food in the back alleys were for this one night the guest of honor at the Hyatt Hotel. And they feasted and they danced because for this one night the forgotten people of the city were the guest of honor at a glorious banquet. And guys, it's going to happen again. It's going to happen again. There is going to be a wedding banquet. And you ought to see who's on the list. You ought to see who the guests are. And the guests will be there not because they deserved it, but because they were invited. You see, you and I, we will sit around the banquet table not because we are worthy to attend, but because we were willing to attend. Jesus has already paid the price to the party. And he has a simple request that you come and join him. And I hope you will. I hope that when you receive the invitation that you will come. Come. To the feast. Will you join me in prayer? Father, we're excited. We're excited about heaven and the imagery that Jesus paints for us is one that just builds our enthusiasm because we all love to go to parties. We all love to be invited to something. And to think that you have invited us, that you have invited us to be able to celebrate your son and your presence is too much for us to understand. But we look forward to being able to see the groom. We look forward to being able to see Jesus in all of his glory and, and to be able to, to hear the praise of the celestial beings. But we don't, we don't understand, Father, how you can throw this grand banquet and want us as guests. We see our sin. We understand our shortcomings. We know that we are unfaithful. And yet we have received an invitation through the cross of Jesus. So my prayer is for 
for each one of us that we will not make an excuse. That we will not make an excuse as to why we cannot accept the invitation, why we cannot attend, why we cannot give honor to the groom. My prayer is that for each and every one here, for those who are listening and watching online, that, that we would come to faith in Jesus as being Lord in Christ. Father, that we, would, that we would have our robes, so to speak, washed in the blood of the Lamb. Father, that, that we would submit to your call to be baptized, that, that we would honor you by submitting our lives to you fully. Father, you long to clothe us. You long to receive us. May we say yes. And Father, may we hold this invitation close. May we hold this invitation close to our soul, knowing that our, the longing of our soul will soon be realized. And may we look with great anticipation, with great excitement and joy to the day that's coming, to a feast that is prepared, to the banquet that we will be a part of. Until that day, may we live as people in preparation. And may we live as people who know that we have been invited to the biggest wedding celebration in the history of all mankind. Father, we thank you for the invitation. We thank you for Jesus. It is in his name that we pray. Amen. As we've told you in the past, uh, with COVID and with the different restrictions that we have and the different ways in which we're trying to maintain our, our social distancing, we're, we're not doing traditional invitations uh, like um, maybe you would expect. You know, this would be one of those opportunities where you have a lesson like this and all of a sudden we all sing, all things are ready, come to the feast, right? And we encourage people to, to come and to confess their faith in Christ, to confess their desire to be baptized, or to, to ask for the prayers of our church family. But because of the distancing that we're trying to recognize, it just isn't feasible. But we do want you to know that we have a, a prayer room that's uh, located in our lobby. And uh, we have uh, one of our elders, Steve Kahn, who is here with us today, who would uh, be glad to meet with you in that prayer room, distant. Um, and be able to uh, listen to any requests that you have and to be able to talk with you. If you have any questions about anything that we have uh, shared here today, anything that we have done. So that will be available to you as we, um, as we close out. Derek's going to lead us to another song. Then I have something I'm going to share with you. And we will uh, wrap things up for today. Again, thanks everybody for being here. Let's enjoy another song together. <laughs>